Welcome to the Church Leadership Podcast, your weekly source for encouraging and equipping local church leaders with your hosts, Mark Ganey and Andy Frazier. In each episode, Andy and Mark sit down with church leaders that you should know. We believe these honest conversations will be helpful and encouraging to you as you lead the local church. Here is this week's episode. Welcome to episode number 62 of the Church Leadership Podcast. We are so excited you have joined us for this episode. It's going to be a fantastic one. We have a great conversation with uh, my good friend, Bill Morrison. But before we get to that content, uh, if you're new to our podcast, we're glad you're here. Our mission at at Church Leadership Podcast is to encourage and equip you to better lead in your local church. And so uh, we believe this conversation today is going to help you do that. Before we get to that episode and conversation, I want to encourage you to go over on your Facebook favorite podcast listening app and and subscribe to our podcast. You can do that on iTunes or Spotify or Google, whatever podcast app you use. And while you're there, leave us a review and a comment. Let us know you're listening. And uh, we certainly would appreciate that now for today's conversation. Thank you so much for joining us again on the Church Leadership Podcast. This week, we have special guest Bill Morrison with us. Bill is a state missionary here in Alabama and serves as the lead campus minister at the Metro Birmingham Baptist Campus Ministries. Bill, we're so glad you could join us on the podcast this week. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, Bill, I've, I've been able to get to know you a little bit over the last year and partner with you in some ministry. And so uh, one thing that I, I realized uh, day one, when we sat down for breakfast uh, in, in a little uh, hole in the wall in Birmingham, Alabama, was that your approach to ministry was different uh, than, than most collegiate ministries that I had encountered. And that was a breath of fresh air, quite honestly, for me. And so if you, if you don't mind, share a little bit uh, with our listeners kind of your story, how you got involved in collegiate ministry and how long you've been, where you have been in your different stops. Sure. Um, my involvement in collegiate ministry it was certainly not something I had planned. I had a seminary roommate who kept saying to me, you need to go into campus ministry. And I said, I'm not going to go into campus ministry. I'm going to go out to the northwestern part of the United States. I'm going to start a church. Well, following that uh, inclination, I found myself in Scappoose, Oregon in the summer of 1987, and two summer missionaries from the state of Alabama came up there. To make a long story short, invited me to go to Ridgecrest, North Carolina for student week. And so I drove from Longview, Washington to Ridgecrest, North Carolina in about three and a half days, (laughs) and stayed with a man named uh, Mike Nuss, who uh, at that time was the lead campus minister at University of South Alabama. The next spring, he showed up uh, to interview for interns uh, because the state convention was between uh, state directors at the time. I asked him what he was doing there. He said, I'm interviewing for interns. And I said, what's that about? He said, let's get together for breakfast and talk about it. Three days later, he called and offered me a chance to work with him for a year. I didn't have anything lined up. Nothing was opening up in any other uh, plans that I had tried to make. So I loaded up all my worldly possessions in a, a 1979 Honda hatchback and, land, and landed in Mobile, Alabama for a year. About halfway through that process in that intern year, they offered me a full-time position as associate campus minister at the University of Alabama. So I've been, this is my 32nd year in campus ministry, my 21st year here at UAB in the metro area of Birmingham. 
Wow. That is awesome, Bill. That is awesome. We know God has used you to impact a lot of uh, men and women for, for God's kingdom. And uh, we know uh, for a fact that college ministry is a, is a very, very important thing. As a matter, matter of fact, a lot of churches sadly miss out on the opportunities that are there to kind of reach out to, to college students. Uh, they're, they're the kind of in-between age. Uh, you know, you have the tweenagers in most churches, the fourth, fifth, and sixth graders who kind of get left out of a lot. And, and I'm thankful a lot of churches have age-graded ministries, but I think college students tend to uh, have less opportunities to grow and serve in their churches. So we're very, very thankful for a Baptist Campus Ministries and people like you who have invested for a long, long time. Um, real quick, uh, as you kind of shared your background and your bio and your history and serving in a, in a place in a long time, what kind of changes have you seen over the past, you know, 20, 25 years in college ministry? How have things adapted and changed with, uh, culture and technology and things like that? Sure. Um, well, a, a few changes, uh, the campus in many ways is more open. Uh, when I first began in, uh, collegiate ministry, you had to be the designated representative of your denomination to be a recognized student organization. In the early 1990s, uh, Kathleen Randall at the University of Alabama began to open up uh, to the opportunity for churches to have their own RSOs. And that changed the dynamics uh, of uh, campus ministry and changed the dynamics between campus ministry and church-based collegiate ministry because no longer did churches have to work through the BCM. It was an opportunity or an avenue they could choose if they wanted to. Uh, so no longer is campus ministry the gatekeeper uh, for all people that uh, make up a certain denomination. So that's one big change. Another change, uh, it's, it's, I, I really can't put my finger on why it's this way or if it's just something unique to where I'm serving now. But when I first started in campus ministry, the men came to campus ready to conquer the world, and the women were a little more passive and uh, in the background. And that has completely flipped in 32 years. Uh, the women come getting ready to conquer the world, and the men are a little more hesitant to jump in and, and take the reins. So that, that's a kind of a cultural shift that we've seen. Uh, and that changes the dynamics a little of how you approach ministry um, with uh, with the uh, between males and females. Mm. Well, I bet. Well, let me ask you this. Um, I know, I know you've seen changes in the ministry itself. Talk to us a little bit about college students. I mean, um, how has their worldview changed? You know, what's the prevailing? Even even the church students I know uh, have been impacted by the culture um, when they come, you know, to BCM uh, in 2020. So, how have you seen the shift in in perspective and worldview over the last several years in college students? One of the big shifts is that um, many times college, the college experience. When I was in college, and maybe uh, people my age were in were in college. That's when you were exposed to a broad vista of different ways of thinking. Uh, you were exposed to uh, different philosophies and different uh, concepts of theology. Uh, 
you, you pretty much hit the college campus being pretty sheltered from anything outside of the worldview that your parents and or church uh, and, and school experience exposed you to. Now students come with the information of the world on their phones and they have accessed all of these philosophies and theologies if they've shown any interest at all or have any inclination that way. So um, it, it puts us at a little bit of a different starting point. They are very much more familiar with relativism and those types of things. Um, but they also are more biblically illiterate as far as the stories go, yep. especially the stories from the Old Testament. The Old Testament is a neglected book in a lot of uh, people's upbringing in the church now. So when I first started in campus ministry, I could make reference to a story like uh, David and Goliath or Samson and Delilah, and everybody knew the story. Everybody knew enough of the story where they could almost tell you the story. Now, when I make reference to those stories, I take a minute or so and explain the story. Yep. So in many ways, they have a broader knowledge of some theological concepts, but they are deficient uh, in, in some of their uh, underpinnings as far as the biblical narrative goes. Now, that's not in all cases. Uh, that's just kind of a, a, a broad brushstroke, but that's something that my colleagues and I have both seen um, uh, during the last several years. Yeah, the uh, the amount of information that's available to everybody and the influence that it has is a whole lot different than it was 20 years ago. And uh, that has changed not only your approach to uh, to expose a lot of these students to the gospel and disciple them, but that affects evangelism. So how, how number one, how, how does this help you or, or hinder you with sharing the gospel with college students? you know, what approaches do you use to, to share the gospel with them? And then secondly, what, what ways are you equipping those believers who are strong enough and confident enough and equipped enough to go out of their faith too? Sure. Well, we do what campus ministries all around the state have done uh, for years and decades is we train students in evangelism. Uh, it's a part of our discipleship program. I'm one of these kind of folks that I do not like the dichotomy between discipleship and evangelism. Amen. I think that uh, the Great Commission tells us to make disciples, and that is the only imperative verb in that verse of Scripture. Uh, the other three, the going and the baptizing and the teaching are participles. Uh, which that means that's how you make disciples is through those things. So uh, evangelism is the heartbeat of discipleship. You know, many times I'm asked, what is the purpose of your ministry? And, and it's easy for me to say, the purpose of my ministry is to produce Great Commission Christians. Now, that isn't the purpose that we state on public forums because we, we are trying to engage different uh, experiences in different backgrounds, but with my leadership team and with people that are on the inside, uh, certainly it is to produce Great Commission Christians. And, you know, BCMs around the state have always had partnerships with churches uh, to be able to do that they, at differing levels. Uh, churches around this state have been faithful for decades to provide meals for students, uh, to uh, be involved in 
state conferences and to uh, get students involved in Bible study and, and assist BCMs with their uh, ministry uh, in different aspects of, of uh, their outreach and evangelism efforts. But uh, so I would say that early on in my ministry, I was exposed to a couple of people that influenced me in a great way. One was uh, Dr. Rick Lance, who is the executive director of the state convention or the Alabama Baptist State Board of Missions. Um, he was the first pastor that ever took me out to lunch in, in my life. I was 28 years old and he's the first one to call me up and say, hey, let's go to lunch. Actually, he didn't call me up. Mary Sue Bennett, his administrative assistant. Yeah, that sounds but, about right. Uh, uh, so uh, he called me up. We went to lunch and he was just taught. We we're just having a general conversation. And he started asking me about campus ministry and how I got to where I was and kind of the things that uh, I wanted to see accomplished. And I started going through all of these dreams and all of these visions I had for the, the for the campus and what I wanted to do. And he could tell that I was a kind of an eclectic mind at that point. And, and he said something that has centered me uh, throughout my ministerial career. And that is, he said, Bill, I want to encourage you one thing. Don't get sidetracked with all the good causes, but keep the Great Commission the focus of your ministry. And I think that's a good encouragement for anybody at any level and any position of ministry. We can get diverted from the main task from time to time uh, and, and, and stop uh, seeing our main focus as the Great Commission. And so we, we are here to make disciples. And so we want to do that. The other one was Buddy McGahan. He was the uh, director of missions for the Montgomery Association when I served at uh, Auburn University in Montgomery as the campus minister there from 1999, uh, I mean, from 1995 to 1999. And when I had a conversation with him, I said, well, you know what, you've been around a pastor in Birmingham, you know, what advice would you give me? And uh, he said, one of the things that was lost when y'all went from the title of director of campus ministry to campus minister is you, you lost the, uh, the emphasis on working with local churches. And he said, if I could encourage you in anything, it's reclaim that hat of, of director of collegiate ministries for this area, not just be the campus minister to the students. And so those things began bubbling in me and, and uh, kind of got, got me to rethink some things uh, about how I was doing them. And, uh, and so that's kind of where we are now. Well, let's talk about that because that's the one thing that, that really struck me when we talked. And, and so full disclosure, um, our church partners with, with Bill and uh, with a luncheon for commuters uh, on UAB's campus. And so um, it's been a fantastic experience for me as a pastor, for us as a church. And so your, your approach to, to church partnership that you just mentioned that Buddy kind of um, in, influenced you to think about, talk a little bit about, if you can briefly summarize your approach and how different it is. And for those listening, talk about how God has used that in the last year or two to, to really make disciples and reach people for Christ. Okay. Um, you know, 
I think in one of the things that in our missiology class in seminary that uh, we were exposed to, and I think it's pretty common for seminary students from a Baptist background that go to a Baptist seminary is uh, the, the concept of people groups uh, around uh, the world. And so uh, early on in my tenure at Alabama, I, I started thinking about, you know, what are the segments of this campus? And I was in the, my first year, the Labor Day of 1989, I was driving on campus. I just went driving around campuses, almost empty because it was Labor Day. And I noticed the million dollar band out practicing on a hot Monday afternoon. And I thought to myself, there's an opportunity for ministry mm. right there. So the next year I marshaled some local churches and uh, talked to the band director, the uh, million dollar band. And there were I don't know, 12 or 15 churches that made homemade ice cream. And we just showed up at one of their practices before school started and started reaching out to them. It resulted in some uh, band members getting involved in the BCM, uh, but also it resulted in uh, some of those band members making connections with those uh, members of those local, local churches that were out there serving ice cream. And so uh, when I got to UAB, um, you know, I, I came here because of the opportunity to be at a, a very diverse campus, a campus that I thought was going to grow uh, during my tenure here, and it has. It's grown from about 13,000 students or so, and up and uh, now it's around uh, 22,000 or something like that. So I think, um, so it has grown. It's become more diverse. And so in the... <clears throat> In the spring or the fall of 2002, I approached Dennis Tanner, who uh, is on staff at Shades Crest Baptist Church, and asked him if he would like to initiate kind of a new way of doing some ministry. And instead of inviting churches merely to, to bring food for fellowships or to worship services and maybe a church fair, those are important things, and we still do them. But instead of just doing that exclusively, what if what would it look like if a church and a BC and the BCM partnered to reach a people group on campus? So um, I invited Dennis uh, to partner with us to reach the marching band here at UAB. And uh, the the first fall that we did that, uh, one of the students uh, named Craig made a profession of faith at their church. It's awesome. And the reason I chose Shades Crest is one of the few churches that still had a church orchestra. Uh, and I thought, well, if, you know, if you're going to be reaching out to band members, there needs to be an opportunity for them to use their gifts where they're, you know, where they're going to go right. to church. And so uh, that's why Shades Crest was chosen. The next year, I invited two different churches to start uh, two other partnerships. I invited Lakeside Baptist uh, to uh, start a weekly Bible study to fraternity and sorority students, and I invited Dawson Memorial Baptist to start a partnership uh, reaching the medical students um, with the med school, dental school, optometry school, etc. And and so all of those have gone well. Um, there's been churches come in and out of that. Uh, they've taken different uh, one group for a period of years and then they transition to a, a different group and that's fine. I ask for a three-year commitment from a church 
Uh, it's not just to try an effort, it's to really let that group of students burn in our hearts to be reached. And so, you know, one of the things I told Mark is our first effort may flop. We're in this to try and try and try again until we can find a way to reach this particular group of students on UAB's campus. But today we've got First Baptist Center Point is partnering with us to reach the Jeff State uh, Center Point campus, First Baptist Fultondale of commuter students, and that's with Mark. Uh, Hunter Street and the Station Church, fraternity and sorority students. Shades Mountain Baptist with a doctrinal study in Mandarin Chinese. Uh, the Chinese Christian Church of Birmingham uh, with a Chinese Bible study on Friday nights uh, that's in Mandarin. Lakeside is helping us reach the RAs uh, on campus. And then Brook Hills, First Gardendale, Valleydale, Dawson, Hunter Street, Shades Mountain, Green Valley, Antioch Community, Shades Crest, Iron City, Lakeside, and FBC Fultondale are helping us with some ongoing evangelism efforts on campus. And uh, we have a thing in the fall called Engage 24, where we try to give 24 consecutive days of evangelistic witness on campus. And those churches that I just listed are, are all helping with that effort. Um, it really is a, a great way, I think, to partner. There, there are um, some of the results in the 2018-19 school year. We had 49 professions of faith. Uh, through That's awesome. uh, BCM and these church uh, ministries. And just to kind of break that down for you a little bit, 17 of those came through traditional BC, BCM efforts. What any BCM anywhere w is doing. Um, and then uh, 30 of those stu students were international students. Uh, 32 of those professions of faith came through our partnerships with churches. That's powerful. 27 students and five faculty and visiting scholars. And, and then this year, until we had the virus shut down, uh, we were on track for about the same thing. We've, we've had 29 professions of faith this year. And of course, we didn't get to finish the year like we wanted to with some efforts. And uh, both of the Chinese ministries were shut down this spring. Um, so, uh, it, it, it is effective, uh, you know, and like I said, uh, we're not, I don't think we're the panacea. It's the panacea of college ministry. Everybody's context is different. And there are a lot of campus ministries around the state and campus ministers that work with churches in effective ways. Uh, but we have gone all in on finding a people group, a segment of campus that what I call is underreached. And, and then working with a pastor or designated staff member uh, to reach that group of students. Um, and one of the things, if you partner with us, it affords you is the use of our student center for two to three hours each week to help facilitate that. So it, it's changed. It's been kind of a, a sea change in how we use our resources with the building. Um, you know, our students, uh, some of our newer students said, who are all these groups that come in here? And so I have to, <laughs> to explain, you know, this student center here is, is used as a mission point to campus. And uh, to get these students in here uh, to, to uh, expose them to, to the teachings of scripture uh, through as many voices as we can mm -hmm. is to our advantage. 
And uh, I think it's multiplied our effectiveness and multiplied our reach uh, to, uh, to students uh, in, in ways that I, I think are very effective. And, you know, there are different levels of connections with student, uh, with churches as we do this. Uh, you know, a lot of times a church just wants to help us promote or they just want us to promote what they want to do. And that's fine. We have literature that any church, any Baptist church can come in and put on a table and we'll help promote. Uh, some churches will just want to support us. They want to send money or they want to just support us through the cooperative program or uh, they want to bring a meal. And that's, that's fine. We're, you know, sometimes we just facilitate churches. Uh, that's certainly the case with the Friday night Chinese Bible study with the uh, Chinese Christian Church of Birmingham. We just facilitate that. Um, some, some churches want to sponsor something or some event or sponsor some kind of special outreach. And then some want to take on a 100% partnership. And, uh, you know, we, so we have the churches I mentioned aren't exhaustive in all the, of the, all the churches that uh, are uh, alongside us doing ministry. But I think it's a very effective and has proven itself to be a very effective way to do uh, ministry and specifically evangelism and discipleship. Uh, listen, I, I will wholeheartedly endorse and agree that approach. You know, again, our church, we're, we've got a commuter lunch that we help sponsor. And so, um, you know, we, we, we share the costs and we show up and we love those students and we interact with them and we have a Bible study. And then I began to, to lead a D group of some young men from that commuter lunch this past semester. And uh, here's what's crazy. We didn't do it. Our church didn't do it. So we could somehow gain college students in our church. Uh, but we did get a member uh, already who was a college student from that commuter lunch. And he's now an intern uh, at our church. It's kind of cool, but, but we didn't do it for that. But, but relationships matter and those partnerships facilitate relationships. So I, I'd say kudos to you, man. It's a great approach. Andy? <clears throat> You heard it here. If uh, you partner with Bill, he will guarantee you an intern in your church. So. <laughs> oh man! No, uh, Bill. So normally, how we we wrap up our podcast is for for our guests to share something encouraging. But the last several minutes, everything you shared is encouraging. Uh, despite right. adversity, you guys are still moving forward. Despite all the changes that have been presented from the COVID nineteen and. Uh, and social distancing, I know that has changed uh, campus ministry tremendously as far as distance learning and everything, but you guys are still reaching students with the gospel and partnering churches to help you do that. That is an amazing story to hear today. I know that has encouraged a lot of people, and uh, we're going to list in our show notes ways that people can get in touch with you and partner with you, uh, but as as we kind of finish up here, I wanted to ask you briefly if you could just share with us maybe one or two real quick ways that we could specifically be praying for you right now as, as a church, as uh, being kingdom minded, and especially in this time of transition and change in our culture. Yeah, I think um, I shared this with some colleagues yesterday. I think students are just now getting over the shell shock mm. of being shell shocked with having to move home early. Uh, you know, especially graduating seniors that didn't get to have the closing ceremonies. You know, we had a virtual final banquet last night. 
uh, where we recognized our seniors and, and did our remember wins. And it was, it was great. We had a lot of laughs, but it really made us realize that there's something missing uh, from the community. Uh, but I would say, you know, pray for the students. Uh, this is certainly not how they envisioned their, um, their last uh, few days of, of, or a few weeks of, of college to go, especially the seniors. But as I've shared with them, uh, in this time of diversion and disruption, I'm, I've been drawn to a story in the book of Acts, chapters 27 and 28. And that's when Paul set sail for Rome and tremendous uh, storms appeared and, and they shipwrecked on the Isle of Malta, on the island of Malta. And Paul didn't use that as a time to be depressed or discouraged or uh, wonder what he's going to do. He did what he was called to do, and that was he ministered in the name of Jesus Christ. And uh, he was there for three months uh, before they could finally get on a ship, uh, a new ship, and, and resume their journey to Rome. And so I've, I've encouraged students to just envision this time and look at this time uh, not as a lull in what they've been called to do, but as a uh, reassignment and a deployment mm -hmm. uh, in an area where their mission field is now broadened and to take advantage of, of sharing the gospel with their families, uh, with their neighbors, uh, call up some high school friends that you haven't talked to in a while that went to different universities and, and use this time to continue the overarching purpose that God has put in front of every Christian, and that is to make disciples and share. Amen. The and so, uh, you know, this shipwreck's going to end one day, uh, and I'm, I'm praying for that. I really hope we have in-person classes this fall. Uh, I'm, I, I have to tell you, I, my, my seminary roommate that always encouraged me to go into campus ministry, his name's Alan, uh, he says, you know, I don't think he said this as a compliment, I, but I received it as one. He said, I'm, I'm going to nickname you Ford because you have a, always have a better idea. And, <laughs> and, and I said, I don't think you're, that's very complimentary <laughs> the way you sent that. And he said, well, I don't know what, I don't know what to do right now if there aren't freshmen physically on campus this fall. So pray for wisdom. Uh, you know, we, we've I've created a uh, a Birmingham a Metro co Collegiate Collective group on Facebook that we're going to be uh, meeting soon. And um, you know, how do we tackle this if if there are no in-person classes? What does that look like? But hopefully, we'll be back uh, with in-person classes and just just pray that we are able to uh, pick up and be stronger. Uh, not weaker uh, during during the days ahead. That's that is awesome, and we will certainly be praying all those things. And listen, I don't know if you realize this or not, but you just encourage the socks off of a ton of church leaders and pastors too, because that whole idea of shipwreck—that's all of us. Uh, and so it relates to college students and to all of us as well. So those of you who are listening, I know you've been encouraged and equipped to better lead your local church today. Thank you for joining us this episode. Bill, thank you uh, for joining us for this conversation. And uh, we certainly appreciate it. 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and even review our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. 